This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples, UFC and Boxing Talk. Welcome to episode 37 of the Fight Disciples podcast. This is our UFC 204 review. Bispin has big balls. I'm sure you agree. What a sensational performance at the weekend at the Manchester Arena. Oh my days. Coming up on this week's episode... Nick describes what it's like to watch Stefan Struve go to the mat. A giraffe wrestling with a water buffalo. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. (laughs) Exactly what it did look like. I get frustrated with Jimmy Manua. Call somebody out. Anybody. Don't go, oh, yeah, I'm not really that bothered. Call them out. Just say anybody's name. John Jones, I want you, baby. Come here. I want you. Let's do it. And Nick picks his performance of UFC 204. Leon Edwards against... Oh, man. As if we forgot forgot about that. As as if he choked out someone off. No. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. Where do we begin with this? Um, Myself and Nick were very, very lucky uh, to be octagon side for UFC 204. And what a show. Do you know something... We checked social media before the show began and there were so many across the pond in America slagging it, saying, oh, what a ridiculous card, I'm not paying for this and all that type of stuff. I bet you they did pay for it. I bet you they woke up the day after and think to themselves, you know something, that sounds amazing. I'm going to go and pay me $60 to go and get the uh, the replays of those fights because let's be honest, Nick, we were treated to some absolute bangers. Some amazing talking points came out of this. Where do we start? Where do we start? 11 fights of just, it was absolutely brilliant and it's testament to the event itself that we literally stumbled out of there at about half past seven quarter eight in the morning mm. and you know you, you i didn't feel tired at all i didn't no. feel t- i went and done a i went and done a some more media after that and don't get me wrong about 45 minutes later they hit me like a ton of bricks i don't mm. know about you but when we come out of there i was still buzzing the adrenaline was pumping and i you know we've got young kids so it's not like you got to have a little sleep on saturday afternoon I did. to get did you I went home and slept till about midday, yeah. You're joking. I, so I was up at six with no, the I'd, kids. I had a word, mate. I had a word. Oh, my God. I need to have a word. <laughs> it just doesn't happen in our house. I was up at six with the kids. I was up all day running around here, there, and everywhere to the park. Got back. I drove up to Manchester about nine, ten o'clock at night. And uh, But you know what? Yeah, but the day after, you must have got some kip in there after the show. I got back at nine o'clock in the morning. To, and uh, got yeah. into me pit. Yeah, same. This, this is what that's what I'm talking about. Saturday Mrs. was a normal day. Out. Yeah, Saturday was a normal day. I got up like at like what you just said, six, seven o'clock in the morning. But then I was allowed to sleep till one in the afternoon oh, yeah, when like I got home. I got four hours as well. Yeah, yeah you got to yeah, sneak yeah. it in, mate. I'll tell you something though. I know that me and you were fresh as daisies when we were leaving the arena. However, there were some right states, weren't there? Oh. I'll tell you something. There's some lads in Manchester like a drink. <laughs> they do like a drink. Walking on that concourse after the after the Bispin Henderson two rematch, it was unbelievable seeing some of the states stumbling around, bouncing from pillar to post. Good it's lads. Like it's like an episode of The Walking Dead. <laughs> but it was well, good, yeah. Shall we start with the main event? That's what everybody's talking about. There's loads of talking points wow. in that main event. The things that I take away from it is Michael Bisping has got huge balls. Again. Um, we were saying that. Didn't we say that at the start of the year with Anderson Silver as well? He's got massive What kind balls, of man. testicles has that man got Unreal. to come through what he'd come through? You know, he was knocked out against Anderson Silver. Saved by the bell, continued, wins the fight. He gets dropped with two H-bombs in consecutive rounds. Mm. He looked like he'd been beat up with a baseball bat. And yet, 
he, he pushes through and wins, you know, and wins the fight. Retains the to get out the first to get out of that in the first round. It was over. I thought it was over. It's something else that yeah. to when, get when, out of that, that was is the unreal. big. That was the big shot when he landed that one, and and, and followed and it with Bisping the elbows. Went down, and then he jumped on top of him. He was dropping elbows on him, and Bisping was just kicking his legs and his arms, just trying to tie Henderson up, trying to protect himself. There was a few split seconds there where I thought he's going to catch him. Henderson was just one elbow blow away of putting him to yeah, fast yeah. asleep and the referees obviously hanging over him Eve Levine they actually flew in a Canadian referee just to make sure it wasn't uh, you know just to keep the controversy out of it he's hanging over the two of them thinking don't stop it don't stop it but how does Bispin survive how he survived that round and then came back in the yeah. second round to win that round until the final minutes mm-hmm. again it was uh, it was just uh, it's become it's almost become Bisping's trade. that's what he does man Mm. It's entertainment, hundred percent. That's probably why he survived so long in the UFC. Ten years at the top, and now obviously yeah. as the champ. Every most time wins, he... most wins. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. Every time he goes in there, you know that you're going to get something. It's going to be entertaining, whether he goes or somebody else goes, or whether he goes and comes back from the dead, which yeah. seems to be the tale of the tape over the last twelve months. Man, I'll tell you something. The atmosphere was absolutely electric when he managed to get out of that pounding in the first round. Stand up. Obviously, the hooter then goes. The place erupted, mate. Yeah, because because people knew he'd survived. But you know, it was what, what time was it when he ring walked? Was it about five o'clock? Yeah, was it yeah. About quarter five. Or just something just like before that? five o'clock. Yeah. And you know, and in that round, the atmosphere was amazing. Absolutely electric. And then in that first round, when he was here, and as you say, he survived it. The whole crowd just stand up and start stand up if you love this being that. And I was just thinking, my God, it's it's gone five o'clock in the morning now. It's mad. And this place is absolutely electric. It was unreal. Well, I've unreal. watched I've watched it back. Um and it was the BT showed the Fox. I think it's Fox that was showing it in the States. And they yeah. showed the Fox feed. Yeah. And obviously it's American commentators. Goldberg's on there doing the commentary. And they pause for a moment and he goes, I have never seen anything like this. And he made a comment about how, what the time of the morning it was. And then the p- camera pans around and shows the crowd and it's just going off at five in the morning. It was crazy. It was mental. Absolutely mental. But the fight, it deserved it. Yeah, of course know? it did. It deserved that kind of support. It deserved that kind of atmosphere because, you know, Dan Henderson, absolute icon, legend of the sport, legend of MMA. It, he deserved to go out in a, in a fight like that. Uh, you know, and it was close. A, a lot of people were divided. Obviously, a lot of American fans think Henderson you see, won it. Have you watched it back? I haven't watched it back. Right. No. Well, this no. is this is. I'm, I, I said to you afterwards when we went to the press conference afterwards. I said I, th- I thought you were a bit lucky there. I scored it forty-seven apiece. Yeah? I, yeah. The best that I had for Michael was that it was going to be, going to be a draw, and I probably so how did you score forty-seven apiece? How did it break down? So I, I brought down the first two rounds. I gave the first two to Henderson. Okay. But, and then I have given the, I think I've given the third and the fifth to Bispin and I've, I've drawn the, the, the fourth. fourth, right? Okay. Yeah. But I've watched it back. Now, when you're in the arena and you've packed with emotion and there's people screaming all around you, and like you say, you see two massive H-bombs, automatically you think he's lost the round. Yeah, of course. So you, you, you panic a little bit and, I, I, and that's how I scored it. But I've watched it back last night, just in the calm of my own house. And mm-hmm. I watched it first round... I, is Henderson's all day round? Of course. Of all course. day round, even in the now, arena. There's day. a debate now. That Was that a 10-8 round? Was it a 10-8 <sighs> round? But if you take if you take away the first three and a half minutes, Bisping was winning the round. Yeah, he was. But for the last 90 seconds, Henderson not only was winning the round, but was massively Nearly won the fight. Yeah. Very close to stopping him. So the, I, I scored a 10-9 on the night. 
the, I can see why people are debating it was a 10-8. But yeah, let's, okay. So let's, there's I will go 10-9. I will go 10-9. Yeah, okay. definitely Henderson. But yeah. then for me, Bisping wins every round after, even with the H-bomb in the second round. Yeah. Significant strikes in that round. He dominates that round. And he but, got caught and it, it wasn't a pounding. Once he got caught, it wasn't a pounding. He tied him up and they were... And he got up. And he got up from it, right? He so, got up and started landing punches. Yeah. I, see, I, on the night I scored the second round for Bisping, now I know he was dropped with the H-bomb. And I know he was under he was under a bit of pressure again on the ground, you know, defending some ground and pound. But he defended it a lot better. He didn't get hit as much as he did in the first round. And he got he took he got back on his yeah. feet and he was the one pushing forward. He was the one punching Henderson back up against the side of the fence. Yeah. Later in the second round. So for me, I agree. Bisping definitely second round. Well, I, I then gave him the rest of it because his significant strikes, I mean, his pressure that he keeps on Dan Henderson, obviously, Henderson has that H bomb. Yeah. And that was his that was his trick. And it blooming heck, it's a great trick, let me tell you. It, it nearly landed again a few Absolutely. times. Absolutely. And I think it did on a couple of times, just not square enough. And yeah. he felt it. Um so I scored the rest of the fight all in favour uh, of Bisping. So when I on the night heard 49-46, I was like going, What? What fight have you been watching? Yeah. But I can see it now. I can see forty nine forty six, and that's not through rose tinted glasses. I just watched it without the sound on. I watched it, and I thought I can see where that's come from. Significant strikes landed because that's how it scored. He does make quite a lot of them up until he gets chinned at the end of the second. So I still give him the round. Yeah, I scored the I scored third and fourth to Bisping, obviously, but I, on the night I scored the fifth round to Henderson. Basically, just because he was he was coming forward for the first time in the fight, and yeah. it was and he was just letting it all hang out there. Basically, uh, I haven't watched it back. I probably should watch it back and see and see what I think a second time around. But on the night, I thought well, I'd give that to Henderson. But for me, going into that fifth round anyway, Henderson needed knockouts because I'd previously scored. I'd scored the previous three rounds to Bisping. So, mm. but you know, it, it's great that. It was, again, it was such a big, amazing, you know, fight of the year kind of contender. It won the bonus on the night, obviously, for yeah. fight of the night, uh, which was, you know, fitting, I suppose, under this current, under the circumstances of it all. So I, I think when it, in his heart of hearts, I think Dan Henderson probably does think he won the fight, but I think he's just, more than anything, I think he'll be kind of delighted that he's signed off on this incredible legacy of a career with a fight like that on a night like that in the, under those circumstances so mm. it was a bit special wasn't it, Mom? doesn't need a belt to justify his legend status Definitely. without any shadow of a doubt uh, now then there are some other boys in that middleweight division that went toe to toe on the core main event Vitor taking on Gegard you know what I think about Gegard I think he's an absolute legend with meeting him this week and having a little bit of a chat to him about various things and entertaining my ridiculous questions of which is the best Ninja Turtle um, I am uh, even more of a fan of his. By the way, if you've not seen that, go to our YouTube uh, channel on Fight Disciples. Just search Fight Disciples uh, on YouTube and search the words off topic. Basically, yeah. it's me asking the hardest men on the planet stuff about not fighting. You know, just totally off topic. Who's your favourite Spice Girl? Who's your favourite Ninja Turtle? Uh, <laughs> would you rather be ugly or dumb? Those type of questions, you know, that's how we went down. Important stuff. Absolutely important stuff. stuff. So if you fancy a laugh, go and have a little bit of a nosy on there. The feed is on our Twitter page. Uh, You can see it. But Musasi, amazing, come on, absolutely amazing. He has to have a he has to have a title shot now, doesn't he? He can't not. The problem is, it's a fucking murderer's row that one eight five pound division, isn't it? You've got Weidman who's due to fight Romero, and you've got Rockhold who's due to fight Jacare in the coming weeks. And all four of those guys, I think, are ranked above Musasi anyway. Um, but Musasi versus Bisping back in the UK at the end of the year, or more than likely at the beginning of the next year, is a brilliant fight. You know, Musasi is just on an absolute number on Vita Belfort. Who, let's be honest, 
he looks physically very different from what he did prior to the mm. uh, USAD drug coming in and, and, and the USAD test and coming into the UFC. Vito's probably been affected more than anybody else. You know, his body looks like it's melting these days. Where <laughs> it was 18 months ago, he looked like he was chiseled out of rock. So I think uh, I think a Vito, Vito's been find out, found out a little bit. But that was Musasi's coming-of-age fight. Yeah. He needed a big win like that over a former world champion, and he got it. But he didn't just get it. You know, he didn't get lucky. He didn't have to go through it. He was amazing. Absolutely destroyed Belfort. Yeah, destroyed amazing. him. Picked him apart and got the got a great finish to really put cement cement his opportunity. And you know, I think more than likely, I can see the winner of either of those two fights I just mentioned will probably get Bisping next if the rankings are anything to go well, by. I, I think there's two things that can two or three things that can happen here, right? Then Mike Paul Rankin decide that you've got to go again with Rockhold if he comes through his fight with Jacare, all these guys. But mm-hmm. at the end of the fight, Bispin basically addressed it, didn't he? And he said, listen, I've just sparked you. You're coming off three losses. You've been done for drugs. You got yeah. beat off the guy that got done for drugs. So you don't deserve your shot. So there's two then that stand out for me, right? And there's lots of noise around this. And Bispin approached this in the interview that we did with him on last week's show. Go and check it out. Because he says at the end that he would fancy GSP, right? There's loads of, there's loads of noise about George St-Pierre Coming back, Silver. yeah. There's yeah, loads. Yeah. Of, there's loads of noise about it. So GSP in his own backyard in Toronto, do they do it? I don't know. Right. So that's one option. Mm-hmm. But the other option for me would have to be Masasi. It yeah. has to be because he's a. They were scheduled to fight each other uh, in London, and then uh, Masasi was pulled off the bill, and it went to uh, Anderson Silver to fight Bisping. That yeah. that was scheduled. Uh, we know about that. So let's get that fight on. I think yeah. it's absolutely. It's brilliant for the for the European market anyway because he's got a big following in the, in Holland. Bispin's obviously Bispin, and he sells it out in six minutes without an opponent, so let's do it. Yeah, well, Musashi actually missed out on a big fight in the summer as well at UFC 200 when John Jones was busted yeah. and pulled off that card. It was Musashi's name that was put forward to fight Daniel Cormier for the light heavyweight title, and he was prepared to go over and do five rounds for the light heavyweight title. And once again, he gets on safe by uh, Anderson Silver, who was in town anyway with his mate Nagera, and ended up taking that fight. And, mm. You know, we got three rounds of absolute mundane nonsense. Musasi would have actually had a good go at, at Cormier. I think right now Musasi's is he the best striker in that division? You could certainly argue he's got the best boxing in that division, without mm. a shadow of a doubt. And don't get me wrong, Mike's Mike's boxing yeah, is no slouch. Like, yeah, yeah. but uh, in in straight boxing ability, Musasi at the moment just looks sensational. But physically as well, he, he just looks like he's 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 peaked. You know, he's been in the game for an awfully long time. He's had a lot more fights than most of the guys in the UFC. I mean, Sassy just looks like he's peaking right now. This is the perfect opportunity for him. Whether that opportunity comes, we don't know. But you know what? The one thing the UFC are good at, and you know, you can all the haters will hate because he's not ranked number one and all this kind of stuff. But you know what? They make fights that fans want to see. Yeah, Dan that's Henderson why, was ranked 12, that, man. Exactly. That's why we got that fight because that's what the fans are willing to pay for. So maybe after Musashi's performance there, you tell me one fan that walked out of Manchester Arena not thinking, fucking hell, that's a good fight for Bispin. Mm. That Musashi is mustard because he was. He was sensational against Belfort and hopefully opportunities not too far away. Talking of opportunities and walking away from the arena thinking that someone's mustard, Jimmy Manoa, right? Mate, you when you do something like that, Jimmy, if you're listening, I, I'm going to tag you in this, so therefore you come to the podcast and you listen. When you do something like that, when you put on such an explosive performance like that, when you impress 16,000 people in the arena and the worldwide audience, call some fucker out, mate. <laughs> call somebody out, anybody. Don't go, oh, yeah, I'm not really that bothered. Call them out. Just say anybody's name. John Jones, I want you, baby. Call me here. I want you. Let's do it. I know. I was surprised, to be honest with you, because Jimmy's, uh, you know, Jimmy's a... Uh, 
incredibly cool guy. Oh, mate, too cool. But after a performance like that, you're right. That was his opportunity to go, hey, John Jones, get your shit together, brother. Let's get it on. <laughs> By the, no way, I mean? Jim, by, the, by the way, Jimmy Manuel doesn't speak like this. This is just I that was know. my best London accent. <laughs> what you talked about that, that, that was London, but, the, but that was his opportunity, and that would have been a, a massive fight because John Jones, you know, is Nevada. Uh, it was supposed to happen this Tuesday. It was supposed to happen this week. There's Nevada. Uh, you know, was meeting with the Nevada State Athletic Commission when we find out what really went on with his tainted drug sample in July and all that kind of stuff. It's going on right now. It's happening right now. But alluding to the fact that he's not going to be banned for two years, it's only going to be a, a much shorter ban because it was a tainted supplement of what we are being led to believe. So basically, John Jones is looking at 2017 return. That was his big chance, Jimmy, to go, listen, John, the guy who took you five rounds of his Sempu, I've just destroyed him. I've just absolutely destroyed him. Now I want to destroy you because that would be the only way he's going to get a fast track to a title. Mm. Cormier versus Rumble, great fight. The rematch is happening. But Jimmy had to position himself to be next in line for that shot. And if John Jones comes back, if we get an announcement before Christmas, John Jones is coming back, guess what? John Jones goes ahead of Jimmy Manaway automatically because he's John Jones. This was Jimmy's chance to call John. Listen, John. You don't just walk back in. This is my this is my I'm place the now. Boy. Yeah. I'm the boy now. I'm the knockout king. Look what I did to the boy that you took you had to go the distance with. I'm gonna destroy you. Let's do it. And then everyone's talking about it. And then John Jones can't back down then. It was a missed opportunity, I feel, you know. It could have mm. uh, it could have been a little bit special, but one lad that didn't miss his opportunity. Uh, a guy that we uh, spent a bit of time with this week, and he's such a top fella, really nice guy, Mirsad Bektic. What a fighter this kid is. I mean, he's on an un- unbelievable run streak of, of wins, both not both in the UFC and just in his professional career. Um, he got the job done at the weekend, and then he didn't miss his opportunity. What does he do when he gets the choke? He goes straight over to Dan. He said, listen, man, I'm the boy at 145, yeah? yeah. Get me some chicken. That's exactly what he says. Get me it. some of that chicken. Yes, Connor's messing about doing whatever he's doing. He holds the belt and all this type of stuff. Aldo's deciding to take a sabbatical and not fight again and all this carry on. Who do we want to see, man? This guy, I genuinely believe. Maybe not immediately, but within the next year, this kid, I think, could dominate the 145-pound uh, division. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's probably the hottest prospect in uh, in the UFC right now. He just looks absolutely mustard. Anything felt, he can knock out. He can. So he sorry can, for he, Russell Dawn, oh, the, the, the Hawaiian at the weekend. You know, this is a guy. Russell Dawn was his third opponent. You know, he was supposed to face yeah. Arnold Allen. Arnold Allen pulled out. He's got some issues with TriStar. There's a whole thing going on there at the moment. Then they brought in a, a set, another opponent. That opponent pulled out with a week to go. Then Paul Russell Dawn, who's lost his last two or three as well. He he, you know, he's the guy that has to fall on the sword. Comes over it, and you know, Russell Dawn's no joke as well. He's a tough, tough man. You know, them Hawaiians, they made they made out of thin stuff. But uh, but Bexit is just special. He's an absolute special talent. You can see why wow, why they're getting so excited about him at ATT, and you know. He's right. He's kind of he's he, that main card spot that he had at the weekend. That that should be him let off the leash now. We want to see him against the very best at one forty. Listen, imagine him against Max Holloway for the title. Class. No, Connor's Connor's gone, and we're led to believe Aldo's gone now. And there's all other issues going on with some of the guys. Listen, cut out all that then. Just go right back to. Do you want your opportunity coming in against Max Holloway? I think he, I think he'd take it after speaking to mm. 
Bektic this week. I confident boy, isn't it? Fight. Yeah, he's super confident. Yeah. And what a fight that would be. That would be like, okay, here's the 145 division. Re- you know, we're reinventing it now with these new guys. These are our faces and watch these two go at it. What a fight. Get on our Instagram because obviously what I do is abuse my press pass and get selfies with fighters when they've just stepped out of the octagon. That's what I do, you know what I mean? I'm supposed to be there reporting on stuff and talking about it and doing various things for media outlets. No, I'm just there to get my own selfie collection going. That's what I'm doing. Uh, Go and check it out, Fight Disciples on Instagram. Just before uh, we speak to one of our own who had a disappointing weekend, I just want to talk about Stefan Struve, yeah? Because for those that um, were following the fight at the weekend, obviously probably fully expected Stefan Struve to win that fight. However, he the way that he went about winning it with uh, a darse choke. Great finish. It was a great submission. It's sensational. But the, the way he's gone about it, they are so... Um, un, they're unusual in the UFC. I think I saw a stat the other day, you know, in the entire UFC history, mm-hmm. there's only been 13 Dash Chalk finishes. Yeah, they're, they're difficult to put on, you see. And if you're, you know, if you're half decent at jiu-jitsu, you ain't getting one on anyway. It's like a front head choke thing. But you, you ain't getting one on if, you, if, if your opponent's good at jiu-jitsu. So they are quite rare. But, you know, Stefan Struve, someone said to me afterwards, he said, you know that when Stefan Struve was on the ground with Olimanenchuk, it, it kind of looked like a giraffe wrestling <laughs> with a... A giraffe wrestling with a water buffalo. <laughs> nailed that is, it. That Absolutely is exactly, nailed it. <laughs> exactly what it did look like. You know, poor Stefan Struve, man. When is this guy who's, you know, I, don't, I hate the way they announce him as six foot 12 and a half. Christ, man, just say he's 13, Se- just say he's seven foot. <laughs> just say he's seven foot and just sell him as seven foot. But listen, this guy, when is he going to learn to fight at range? It's crackers, isn't it? Olimanchuk is smaller than me. You know, he's, he's shorter than me. The guy's only six foot tall. He landed a few times, though, man. If Struve had wanted to, if Struve knew how to jab and move, he wouldn't have got anywhere near him. That's kind of, kind of like me getting in a, in a ring with David Price and landing, landing a right hand on his whiskers. There's absolutely no chance. You're not getting anywhere near him. He feeds you a jab all day and then he'd put you to sleep. Stefan Struve is so big. And he's got legs. He can use his legs as well. Mm. Stefan Struve could stand on one side of the octagon and literally kick you in the face. If you were against the opposite fence. And yet, once again, we see him moving backwards in straight lines. We see him pulling his chin up in the air. Omanenchuk landed a couple of right hands. And you're thinking, what is going on here? You know, he's that Black Zillion, Stefan Struve as well. It's a yeah. really good camp. Henry Hoof, one of the best striking coaches in the world. What is going on there? It's strange. It's, it's, I just, we expected so much more because Jordan Fight Week, if you remember, Adam, he was telling everyone, wait until you see me now. I'm going to be boxing. I'm going to be striking. I'm going to do this. What happened? He took a couple on the whiskers. He didn't like it. He took the, he took the Polish guy down. He's got no wrestling game, what, uh, no jiu-jitsu game finish. whatsoever. And he gets the submission. It, you know, it makes sense. Don't get me wrong. It, if we could, be, we could be sitting here now laughing at Stefan Struve because he's been knocked out again. So good on him for having the intelligence to do that. But he's been in the UFC. He's been a mixed martial artist, Stefan Struve. You know, he's only a young guy. He's still only in his in his twenties. I think twenty seven, twenty eight. He's still relatively young. But he's been around forever. Problem is, he doesn't seem to be evolving yeah. as well. He seems to still be that tall, big, lanky guy with a with a, a weak chin. He's got to try and protect that chin. He's got to try and keep people away from it, especially a little guy who's a, a foot shorter than him. Mm. You know, it's it. Anyway. Great finish. Great submission. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Uh, Now, for the fight fans that were watching this on BT Sport, they may not necessarily have seen a lot of the prelims, 
um, and any of the uh, what we would class as the undercard to the main event. Um, there were some fantastic, fantastic fights on there. I'll be honest with you, Nick. First fight, I was a little bit, oh no, we can't have a stinker. Cause Santos the fir- Martins. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah man. First- it was midnight as well. It was like, come you're be- on. You're revved up, yeah. You're expecting it to start at half 11. It starts at midnight. You're revved up, you're pumped. First fight comes out and stinks the gaff out. I know. I was like, come on, engage. At least have a go. They were just like two Brazilians. Like, we're just having a glorified spa. Yeah. That's all this is. You know, it was just like fucking... You could see it was like that after the first round as well. You were just like, oh, God, these two are just carrying each other here. Now, you've you've been at these events before, right? So when that happens, do they change the order of the card? Or will Danny have known, Danny Roberts, that is, will he have known that he was coming out second? Because on the actual billing, he mm-hmm. was coming out fourth. Yeah, because we, there was a, a fight cancelled on the, at the weigh-in day. Yeah. Ian Entwistle, and he was supposed to be on the prelim Fox prelim card. And Diakis was kicking off the show on his pro debut, on his day, UFC debut originally. Yeah. So what happened was when Entwistle went off, instead of bumping up Danny Roberts, Mike Perry, which was is a great fight, they wanted that to headline the fight pass portion of the prelims because, because fight pass, obviously, it's a whole different audience. Yeah. So they left that there and instead moved Diakis up to the Fox prelims card, which meant that Saturday morning, well, Friday night, we knew that it was going to be the two Brazilians first, then Perry Roberts, and then onto the Fox Sports card with Diakis. So, yeah, Danny knew and Mike Perry, they would have known that they were second on categorically. Well, to be fair, great decision. To get the casual audience interested in the UFC, what a hell of a fight. I know it didn't go our boy's way, right? And there'll be people um, saying that we're extremely biased towards him. Yeah, we are. We love the fella and we support him because, you know what I mean? He's, He's UK and he's representing and he will come back stronger. But, when you when I analyse that fight, and I've watched it back again several times, what a fight. Unbelievable. What, what a fight. And not only that, yes, he gets beat, and people will say, well, you don't take anything once you get beat. What a warrior, man. He's gone up in my estimations. I've seen him win fights and been impressed. I've now seen him lose a fight and horrific knockout at the end. Yeah. But he's he's gone through the roof in my estimations because that kid has got balls of steel, man. He was He just kept coming. And not only that, he was hitting Perry flush. Yeah. Absolutely flush. He must and have hit Danny him. can bang as well. Yeah, he hit him Danny fifteen times. Bang. Kicks and hits everything. Perry made out of concrete. That must break a kid's heart. When you're fighting against that, you must be thinking, "What have I got to do to knock this guy out?" Yeah, that's exactly what it felt like, didn't it? It was uh, it, for a start. As soon as the fight, while the fight was going, I was thinking, "This is a fifty thousand dollar bonus fight. This is fight of the night. This has got to be fight of the night." And I think if it wasn't for Bisping Henderson being an absolute war categorically that was our fight of the night I've got a feel for both those guys especially Danny of course because he ultimately lost the fight but I think those guys are robbed of $50,000 each because of the main event because this fight was an absolute war and kudos to them both for taking it as well you know Danny's got a a fantastic record heading into that fight he was 13 and 1 I think Mike Perry was 10 and 0 or 11 and 0 heading into that fight two absolute young hungry welterweight prospects who are looking to do it and Mike Perry after he arrived you know he's won every fight by knockout and he arrived in the UFC with a big reputation he had his first fight earlier this year won by knockout no welterweight wanted to touch him because he, he you know he's, he's dangerous goods kudos to Danny Roberts who's just like yeah of course I'll take it you know my third fight in the UFC back in Manchester I'll do that all day now the Dominic Steele fighters last fight in April that was fighting the night already mm. for me this was again it was just robbed by the main event but this was another fight of the night listen Danny Roberts lost this fight yet yeah, he, he got it, ultimately the the power of Mike Perry told right down the stretch I think it was 
I think there was about 20 seconds left on the clock. I think he was chasing it, you know. Unfortunately, I think in his yeah. head he might have thought that he was behind. And I think and he probably he was. was I think I'd seen the judges' cards, and I, I, I give Petty the first round. I'd give Danny the second round. And for me, it was all to play for in the third. But when I'd seen the scorecards afterwards, two of the judges actually give Petty the first two rounds. So mm. uh, Danny point. was he was up against it. He was, he was going to lose it anyway with 20 seconds to go. Because that was my knee-jerk reaction was, oh, whatever you do, don't stop it now. Right, Mark Goddard was the referee. Uh, my original reaction, as soon as he landed, I thought, oh, God, I hope this doesn't get stopped because there's literally seconds left on the clock. Ultimately, it, it had to be stopped, as we know. I'm sure we'll come on to that in a second. It had to be stopped. Because Danny was in no position to defend himself, Mike uh, Mike Perry eventually caught him with a big enough shot. But before we come on to all that, Danny Roberts and Mike Perry for me both come out of this fight with reputations massively enhanced. They were in an absolute barnstormer. They both took some incredible shots. They put it all on the line. They lifted that event at the weekend because you don't forget. Oh, it was yeah, midnight. yeah, absolutely. We just it. watched two Brazilians go through an absolute bored and snooze fest bar and session, follow each other around, pretending to fight. And then these two come in and lit the place on fire and that triggered what was an incredible main event what was an incredible card. This fight got everybody excited and warmed up yeah. and ready for what was to come. So Again, I'm gutted they never got the bonuses. Both these guys come out of it with massively enhanced reputations and hopefully they both move forward next year. What do you make of the referee in the knockout? Listen, I'm a mate of Mark Goddard's. He's a good friend of mine. He writes for Fighters Only, the magazine that I edit, of course. You know, he's a columnist for us. I respect him massively. I've asked Mark to do a to do a first-person piece in his next column, to go in the next issue of Fighters Only, to explain it as well. But you know what? Good enough. He's come out since the event and gone, you know what? Hands up. I've made a mistake. I was probably a little bit late coming in. You know, he accepts the fact that Danny probably took a shot or two too many. And But that's Mark all over. Mark's not a coward. Mark will come out and say, if Mark's made the mistake, and I've got to be honest, I've known Mark for 10 years, and this is the first time I can remember him making such a high-profile mistake, if you like. But he's come out and apologised for it, and you've got to respect him for that. But I know what you're going to say. Yes, it was late. Yeah. Yes, he should have moved a little bit quicker. But he's a human. And we make mistakes. That's what yeah. happens. It's just a shame that obviously in this game, he give he give Danny every chance because we had we had two and a half minutes. Uh, sorry, two and a half. I was going to ask you this. Sheer excitement. I was going to ask fantastic. you. Do you think? Do you think he refed it knowing what Danny's like? Uh, I don't know whether he refed it with Danny Danny Roberts in mind in regards to Danny Roberts. Oh, I know this kid can fight. I know he can take a shot. Yeah. I think what Mark what may have been in Mark's mind is we've just had two and a half rounds of fantastic action. Yeah. Real rock'em sock'em robots to use a Yankee term. Real warrior. These two guys have put it all on the line, and you know you you want to give both guys the opportunity to hear the final bell just in case the judges have got it close. You don't want to stop a fight with twenty seconds to go like Mark had to here. I think he may have hesitated with that in mind, thinking the seconds to go. You know, if as long as Perry doesn't land another shot then Danny Roberts is capable of hearing this bell and capable of, of potentially having the judges side with him after such an effort. You don't you don't want to steal that away from someone when you've put in so much work. You don't want to jump in there like, you know, where Terry O'Connor likes to do in the boxing. You know I hate Terry O'Connor, the referee in the boxing. Does it all the time. He robs people of their livelihoods because he's the worst referee in the game. None of that with Mark Goddard. He's one of the very best referees in the whole of international MMA. I think he just tried to give Donny a little bit of an opportunity, but ultimately in the replay and you know potentially on the night as well, you kind of thought he had to step in and he probably he probably Mike Perry probably landed one or two shots too many. But you know what? 
I'm sure if we had Danny Danny Roberts in the studio with us today, Danny would be gone. I appreciate Mark giving me every, every opportunity to hear the back. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. So before we sign off, obviously we've been right through the main card. We've spoke about Mike Perry, Danny Roberts, you know, fight of the year. That, was, mm. that wasn't... Uh, what, that prelim card, the Fox card in the middle, and I know we're running out of time, Adam, but, you know, there's some great performances there. What was the standout for you? That's hard, man. I mean, on the whole card, there's been so... It was such a great night. We shouldn't underestimate how good of a night it was, and well done to everybody yep. at UFC Europe for obviously putting that on. It was sensational. Nine stoppages. Nine oh, stoppages. Mate, you don't get that. You don't get that elsewhere. That was just unbelievable. The crowd, everything about it was just a, a fantastic night, and, of course, we got a great result uh, with Bisping getting retribution against Dan Henderson. However... What do I take away from it? There's yeah. obviously Jimmy Manuel, which I take away from it. Bisping winning his fight. We've just mentioned the Danny Roberts uh, fight with Mike Perry. I take away from that. But for me, the thing that I will remember is this is the moment that I saw Mark Diakiese make his UFC debut mm-hmm. in sensational style. This kid is going to be something. And I can say now, I was there when he made his start in the UFC. I'm yeah. a big, big fan of this boy. No, I, I agree with you. You know, we spoke to him, didn't we, during media week in the build-up, and mm. he was cool as ice. And, you know, uh, we spoke to the walkaway Kyle King, didn't we? Scotty asked him. He yeah. trains with Mark Dierkees. And, and Scott said to us, listen, this guy's an absolute freak of nature. You know, he was like, you want to see him train in the gym. You want to see the stuff he can do in the weight room. Never mind on the mats. You want to see him. He's an absolute athlete. And he said, you wait and see what he's like in the octagon. He'll take it all in his stride. This kid's got a massive future. And he said, Scott Askin said to me, this kid will be a world champion. He'll be UFC champion. He's got it all. And uh, he proved it on the night. You know, I thought Tajewski started the fight well. Yeah, he, he did. did. He did the right thing. Yeah. You get in there with a guy that's just come to the UFC after two sensational knockouts. What do you do? I tell you what you do, you put us back on the mat so he can't throw punches at you. And you hold him there and you keep him there. And they did that for the first round. You could argue Sajewski probably had the better the first round. A couple of big takedowns, managed to hold Mark on the ground. But then second round, he's running out of gas a little bit. Dickey's just kind of exploded into life. And that's when we see what he's fully capable of with that TKO finish. I like the look of that kid. I'm like you. I'm like you. What I also liked on that below as well, before we sign off, Leon Edwards against Oh, man. As if, we forgot, as if we forgot about that. As, as if he choked out Tumanoff. No. What a performance. You know, that was a cut. Now, let's talk about coming of age performances. Leon Edwards, that people in the UK MMA, people in the UK MMA, we know what Leon Edwards is all about. We know his quality. We know he's a top fighter. Has he really had the breaks in the UFC? Probably not. You know, he ran into uh, Danny Roberts' teammate, actually, Kamari Usman from Black Zillions. He was an absolute freak of nature, a wrestling monster. Went the distance with that guy. Not many people will go the distance with that guy. We knew Leon Edwards can fight, and we know he, he knows how to go the distance in fights. This was my tip for fight of the night, but tell you what, he turned it on. I thought Tumanov looked, his boxing looked great. Yeah. But what did Leon Edwards do? He just went back. First round, I thought, right, oh, Leon Edwards, he's going for the submission, he's doing the right thing. Second round, Tumanov comes off. Yeah, very his good. His boxing controlled the second round. I thought, oh, our guy's running out of gas here, he's going to get chinned. Third round, he comes out, patience. He was so patient to get us back. You know, he got the takedown. He worked his way to the back, and then to submit Tumanov on that on a night like that. Oh, that was another moment. It's like this card was just filled with those moments, Adam, wasn't it? Where we were just like, "Woohoo! This is amazing!" You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. If you already subscribed to us, thank you very much. We really do appreciate it. If this is the first time that you've ever listened to the Fight Disciples podcast, then subscribe. It's absolutely free. Won't cost you a bean. 
go to our website, fightdisciples.com. You can pick which format you want to listen to us on, whether it be Apple or Android. Totally up to you. Uh, There's also a little form there that you can register for competitions. I know that some of you might have clicked to just go past that and straight into the website. I would thoroughly advise you to go back and register your name with us. Don't worry, we don't spam anybody. The reason why I'm telling you to do that is because that's how we run our competitions. There's lots of free giveaways, whether it be signed memorabilia, whether it be tickets for shows, all that type of stuff that you're into, and we give it away for free. But you've got to be um, a Fight Disciples member. It's free, don't cost you any money. Just register your details, all right, at fightdisciples.com. This week, we've got Tony Bellew tickets for his show in Liverpool next weekend. So if you're a boxing fan, as well as a UFC fan and mixed martial arts fan, of course, uh, there's something on there for you this week. Thank you for all your nice comments regarding our Instagram. We have changed it. We've updated it. Please come and join us on all social media platforms at Fight Disciples. There's daily content going up there and it's a little bit of a laugh. We enjoy it. Hopefully you're enjoying it as well. Thank you very much for listening and I'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.